Welcome to worship at Salem Alliance Church. Let's join John Stumbo as he begins. Good. Well, I'm glad you're here today. Welcome uh, to Salem Alliance Church and being part of this. I've got a question for you to start. It's one of those that's going to make your eyes roll with, oh, preachers, you know. But um, there's a reason I ask it. We'll get to it in time. But uh, just answer me. Who is the light of the world? Who is the light of the world? Jesus, thank you. All right. John 8, verse 12 says, when Jesus spoke to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. It's a dark world out there, wouldn't you agree? Ever since the human race took the advice of a serpent and welcomed sin into our world, darkness slithers and swarms around us and seeks to overwhelm us. You know, there has never been a generation that has been spared from murder, unrest, violence, rage. War is one of the most prominent threads woven into the human fabric. From our earliest history, the human race has been proficient at deceit, greed, theft. We've abused our planet, abused ourselves, and even found ways to abuse our children. From abductions to abortions to addictions, the human alphabet is weighted down with the burden of describing a world that attempts to discourage, depress, or even destroy us. But I don't need to tell you this. You didn't need to come to church today to hear this. You've got the evening news. You've got the headlines on your phone or on your newspaper. (laughs) You know these things, and you've known them since you were a child. You discovered it the day when someone was cruel to you. And deep down, you understood that something was deeply wrong with this world. And then the news got worse. Because you discovered that that wrongness was inside you as well. The darkness wasn't just around you. It was within you. You may need to come to church to hear that. Because the world around us tries to pretend that that's not so. Evil is out there somewhere, but not in here. And frankly, that's nuts. Outside and in. It's a dark world. But the good news is, the gospel is, that the world has been invaded by a light. His name is Jesus. His light exposes, it illuminates, it helps us see what we could never otherwise see. His light dispels the darkness, driving away the gloom, bringing salvation. His light guides us all the way to our eternal home, where no darkness can dwell. In fact, we don't even need the sun there because the brightness of Christ's glory will shine down every golden street and into every redeemed heart. And it'll mean good. Jesus, heaven's brightness is the light of this world also. Do you agree? But I'm guessing that a few of you are still stuck back on page one, my first question, where 
I asked, who is the light of the world? Because somebody here knows there's more than one answer to that question. So I ask it again. Give me a different answer. Who is the light of the world? We are. Fantastic. You're with me here, at least for the first five minutes. <laughs> there's always a chance of losing you. I'm, I'm capable of that. Yeah, uh, the Bible has two answers to that question. Both are true. Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. Jesus said those words in the famous Sermon on the Mount where he gives us the Beatitudes and the Lord's Prayer. It's a sermon where he explains what it's like to be in the kingdom. It's a sermon where he says things like, well, Moses said, don't murder. But I say, don't even get angry. The law said, don't commit adultery. But I say, don't even lust. Anyone can love their friends, but, but I tell you, love the people you don't even like. Be generous, but don't flaunt it. Pray, but don't babble on and on. Be, be the kind of people who store up treasures, store up wealth, but do it where it's going to last, in heaven, not on this rusting earth. Build your house on the rock of my teaching, or your life's going to get swept away. As you do these things, you will be the light of the world. And the whole passage reads, Matthew 5, 14, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may See your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus is the light of the world. You are the light of the world. This same passage has one more picture for us. It's Matthew five thirteen. You are the salt of the earth. Now, as you know, salt can be used for lots of things. Melting ice, killing slugs... You know, important kind of stuff. But historically, it has two primary uses, right? Adding flavor or preservation. To make things taste better or last longer. To keep you from wanting to spit it out or having to throw it out. Flavor and preservation. What would French fries be without salt? And, any, and anyone... Even back in that day, before we understood high blood pressure, knew that too much of it isn't a good thing either. So go light on the salt. Christ's concern, though, was that the salt could lose its saltiness. Matthew 5.13, the whole verse says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness... How can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything. I don't know of any usage for salt that's lost its saltiness. You're the salt of the earth. Evidently, Jesus was concerned that we'd lose our flavor. Just like he warned us not to cover up our light, tasteless salt and concealed lamps don't do any good. So, 
Christ follower, I remind you of what you already knew before you walked in this door. You are the salt and the light of this world, adding flavor and illumination to an otherwise dark and tasteless world. So how are you doing? With being salt and light, like in your neighborhood or, or on your campus. Is, is, is your school got a little better flavor because you're there? Your office, has it got a little more light because you're working there? It's not always the case when Christians show up, you know. Just because we show up doesn't automatically mean that we're bringing good salt or good light with us. We, we've found numerous ways to assault the world rather than adding salt to the world. In fact, let me give you the stumble pet peeve list for Christians. All right? The things that I hate about the way Christians behave. Top five ways to assault the world. Number five, have all the answers. We know that Jesus is the answer, therefore, there must not be any remaining questions. Solve everything, have no room for mystery. Oh, we we have some answers. Actually, some of them are pretty good. But we'd be more honest if we'd admit that we can't answer every question. Or, nor should we even try. There is room for mystery in faith. You with me on that? Faith has to have mystery to it or it's not faith. It's just fact or knowledge or reason or something. But... Faith has to have some unknown to it. At least the way I understand it. Here's the way I see things. Every other religion is easier to explain than Christianity. They either have no God, one God, or an infinite number of gods. Those options are all explainable. You can say those and explain those. And then along comes Christianity. Uh, We claim to have one God. Deep breath. Who eternally exists in three persons. Huh? (laughs) Well, it's called the Trinity. Uh, And that means that God exists in three persons. (laughs) And the conversation quickly has everyone scratching their heads. And I'm arguing... That's okay. It's okay that God is bigger than our brains can figure out. In fact, that's actually a pretty good thing to have. A God who's bigger than my quarter pound when she's brain. And please don't reduce God to an egg. All right? All you theologians out there, well, it's kind of like a yolk and a white and a shell. No! God is not an egg, please. You're weird, Stumbo. (laughs) We will be saltier if we enjoy the mystery and don't have to have all the answers. Number four, how to mess things up in this world. Fix people. Since Jesus is a Savior, 
I can be one too. <laughs> if people have a problem, I'll tell them what they need to know. Anybody have a white horse? I'm ready to go on a ride. Now again, just like the last point, there are times we can be of genuine help to people. But we're at our best when we're leading people to Jesus and we're at our worst when we're leading people to ourselves. You'll know you've got the right amount of salt when your life is making people thirsty for Jesus. Have all the answers fixed, people. Number three, shout condemnation. (laughs) The world is going to hell and I'm going to remind them of it every chance I get. God is the judge and I'm this prosecuting attorney. A wise pastor told me one time, you know, it's okay to tell people they're going to hell as long as you do it with a tear in your eye. I agree with him. Hard truths have to be spoken from time to time, but they must be spoken in love and with hope. Some years ago, I watched a street preacher get his weekly adrenaline rush by shouting damnation at people on the streets of San Francisco. He'd call names, and he knew a lot of them, and he'd pronounce judgment at rapid speed. And while he shouted, I was circulating the crowd. I was talking to people, and I ran into his wife. (laughs) And she told me, quote, I let him yell at people out here in the streets so he doesn't yell at me so much at home. Sad. Now that's an extreme example. I know it is. But I have to tell you it happens in countless subtle ways as Christians cast scornful looks at tattooed 20-somethings or are too good to, to, to befriend the neighbor next door who's struggling with an addiction. We can shout condemnation in very subtle, quiet ways. (laughs) Salty Christians keep plenty of grace with the truth. And we need truth with the grace, which leads us to number two. Never admit to having any problems. I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. I have to keep my image up along the way. Make a mask, keep it polished, hide the real me. Friends, I got good news. That's way too much work. Let it go. You're not fooling anybody. You know, we're working so hard to hide. Well, God himself knows us, and we're not fooling anybody else along the way. So, yeah, we're not going to lose our saltiness just by admitting we've got issues. In fact... Your relatives might see you as a real human being for the first time if you actually admitted you have a problem. And church is not a trouble-free zone. Christianity is not a problem-free life. So why can't we just admit, oh, I'm struggling in this area? Now, we do have what others don't. We have help 
and hope in the midst of our troubles. We have a counselor who lives inside of us who can empower us and guide us and teach us and direct us and enable us. We've got all sorts of resources in the Word of God and brothers and sisters in Christ. and We've got help all around us that the world doesn't have, but, but it's okay to just be honest. Salty Christians aren't defined by their problems, but they don't deny they have them either. Finally, number one, talk beyond your walk. Make exceptions for yourself. This will drive everybody else crazy. (laughs) Protect those blind spots. Never let anyone look into your soul and tell you the truth about yourself. Keep plenty of whitewash around to cover up those tombs. You all know the you know all the right answers, never mind the fact that they don't seem to be changing your life. You know what I'm talking about here. That no matter how convincing our argument, if it's not backed by a life of character, it's not gonna win anyone. Or to say it differently, if you don't have integrity, you don't have an ounce of salt to offer. Without integrity, the salt has lost its saltiness. So, you know, take a little gander at that list and ask yourself, have I ever, have I ever done any of those? Hey, and just for bonus, I wrote another one because I couldn't stop, all right? It was too much fun. I've got more pet peeves than I've got time for. But, but uh, you know, and it's not even on the screen. This is number zero. It's spiritualize everything. Another thing that drives me crazy about Christians is when we spiritualize everything. I was at a used bookstore a couple of weeks ago right here in town. I was in the religion section. I talked to a lady who started asking me advice on, on the books. And I guess I look like a preacher wherever I go. I don't know. But she, she immediately started telling me that Jesus was coming back very soon because of the immigration laws in Arizona. Uh, I wish it wasn't a true story. (laughs) Now, friends, I want to go on record as to say, I believe Jesus is coming back to planet Earth. But I also want to go on record as saying, I don't think he's been waiting on decisions from Phoenix. (laughs) (laughs) But we like to do this as Christians, don't we? Don't we like to do this? Take any subject and make it a spiritual issue and, and the... Everybody else in the crowd is standing there saying, I, <laughs> I thought we were talking about baseball. <laughs> and all of a sudden we're, you know, some spiritual dimension, you know. Forgive me, but sometimes I think, I know you're a Christian, but does that mean you have to be an idiot? <laughs> oh, man, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad. All right, let's move on to some positive application points, all right? <laughs> some positive application points. Uh, number one, as a result of this felt and light message, here's one thing I want you to take away. You have something to offer. I want every one of us to hear this deep in our souls. You have something to offer because many Christians are spending way too much time telling themselves and God and anybody else who will listen everything that they're not. 
I'm not a public speaker. I can never stand in front. I'm not a musician. I can never play like floor plays. I'm, I'm not a, uh, an evangelist. I couldn't talk to people like Steve talks to people about Jesus. And, and on they go, defining themselves by what they aren't, rehearsing all the things they can't do. Friends, so what if you're not a public speaker? Relax. Take that one off the worry list, all right? The stage isn't big enough and the day isn't long enough for all of us to be public speakers. Jesus never said, you are the orators of the world. Ease up on that one. God wired you in a certain way and gifted you with certain gifts for a reason. Your life rubs against people who need that gift of encouragement or gift of hospitality or gift of service or gift of faith or gift of generosity or whatever gift you have. You have something to offer. God made sure of it. He made you salty. You, are, you have a flavor to add to this world. You have something. Quit listening to the lie. It is a lie that's been very effective in too many Christians' lives. Quit listening to the lie that says, I'm nothing, I don't have nothing to offer, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too whatever. And that's a word I can't say from the pulpit. So quit hiding behind all the excuses of who you aren't and just be the flavor you are. He didn't say, a couple of you guys will be the salt of the earth. He says to all of us who live in the kingdom, this is who you are. Now live it. You have something to offer. Be confident in that. Be encouraged by that. Be empowered and emboldened by that. (laughs) Ephesians 5. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You have something to offer. Number two, a second good application point from this salt and light theme is you've got nothing to offer on your own. You see, don't confuse this with nice self-help talk. You can get that somewhere else. This is identity in Christ kind of talk, which is completely different. And the only reason we have light is because He is shining in us. The only reason we have good deeds to display is because He is at work in us. The only reason we have anything to contribute to this world is because He is transforming us. We have nothing to offer on our own. Let your good deeds shine before men so that they may praise your Father. Let good deeds be revealed through your life in such a way that they'll know he didn't do that. Where'd that come from? We've got nothing to offer on our own, but as Christ works his power in us, we have a lot to offer, and that gets us to the last point. You will have more to offer as you stay connected to Christ. John 8, 12, one last time says, 
When Jesus spoke to the people, he said, now, now stay with this. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light. If you follow me, you're going to have light. Our only hope for bringing good flavor to this world and healing light to dark places is to stay closely connected to him, our source, our power, our provision. It's John 15, if you want to read that later. I know you've heard this stuff before, but I, I, I come back to it today because for the very practical reason that it only takes folks like you and me a day or two to completely, completely drift away from our dependence upon God and to start living independently and doing our own thing again. It doesn't take us very long to do that because we're very accustomed to our old style, our old nature, our old self. We know how to live that person. And, and so that's where we naturally gravitate towards. That's our default mode is the old self. So I challenge you that every day soak yourself in the Word of God. Spend time, in, in serious time in the Bible, not out of religious duty or try to impress someone, but out of desperation. <laughs> I can't do this on my own. Every day, ask for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit to guide your thoughts, your words, your actions and attitudes. I want your life, God, to replace mine. See, this is what Paul meant when he said, until Christ is formed in you. This whole idea that it's not about us working harder to be like Jesus, but it's about us experiencing more of Christ's life being lived out through our life. There's a completely difference to those two ways of living Christianity, of working harder to crank it out and get it done and be like Jesus. Oh, yeah, that'll work. (laughs) Or admitting, I need a fresh and filling of the Spirit. I need you, God, and have him show up and begin to express his character like kindness and patience and goodness and those things through us. Every day, pray for a filling of the Spirit. Every hour, check to see, uh, have I gravitated back to the old me? And it's really easy to check this. All you have to do is, is ask, are there any signs of the old me showing up right now? Well, what would those mean? Well, you know, you know your list. I don't know your list, but... Probably things like stubbornness or irritability or grumpiness or impatience or those kind of things. And when they show up again, you know, well, that's the old me. That's not Jesus. Good news. The Spirit of God in you will never be grumpy. The Spirit of God in you will never be irritable. No, when he's showing up, there's patience and kindness and goodness and love and joy and all those things showing up. So every hour I'll be checking, where is my spirit? And keep coming back. Well, there's more we can say on this, but, but the point is that you'll have more to offer. You'll be better salt, tastier salt, and, and you'll be a, a purer light as you stay connected to your source. Chad and Cassie Hedberg are a couple in our church who... Uh, allowed us to interview them and they make this last point very well uh, in in the video you're about to see.
name is Chad Hedberg. And I'm Cassie Hedberg. It was probably five years ago that I uh, heard a sermon or somebody said something that um, caused me to think about the relationships that I have. And I realized that most of my relationships were in church somehow. So I started praying and asking God to give me some relationships with people who um, didn't go to our church that were not Christians, who um, just could expand my worldview a little bit more, I guess. Probably a week after I prayed that, people just started coming into my life. And um, one person that I met at my kid's school... um, This conversation started, all significant conversations about God have started without me initiating it. And um, so it really had nothing to do with anything I did. I just prayed and asked God to give me opportunities and then just waited. She mentioned something about church, and so I thought, oh, she goes to church. She must be a Christian. So I started talking about my faith and about our church and um, all kinds of stuff that I never would have talked about had I known... um, what kind of church she was talking about. She was she was not talking about a God-fearing, Bible-believing church. Um, it opened a door for me to say some things that I would have been way too chicken to say um, had I known maybe that she wasn't a believer. So that relationship has gone on for five years, and we have had many, many more really significant conversations about God and faith and the universe and creation and science and I mean just amazing things and the thing I love about our conversations is that they never have to end with a conclusion of okay what's your decision for today you know and okay I'm going to invite you to church you know it's just uh, it's just a conversation about God it's just a conversation that gets her thinking and gets me thinking. She actually challenges me quite a bit in my faith. Yeah, I think for me that's one of the big changes that's taken place in my life is is what my expectations are for those conversations. I think if for a lot of, of my Christian life I would have heard those stories and and have been thinking how how can you capitalize on that? You know, how can you how can you go the next step? Where can you go with this conversation and with the end goal of being to have those persons on their knees, repenting all their sins? I beat myself up over all these missed opportunities because I, I put so much pressure on myself to, to do God's work. And I didn't focus on just loving those people. Uh, I needed to, to be willing to meet those people where they're at. And I had these ideas about know that nothing good could happen where these people are at there you know they're living in sin and you know even if they're you know if they're at the bar or if they're having a party at their house you know they're they're not going to be making good decisions and nothing good is going to happen there but what I found out when I went there is there's there's a lot of community there and people are People are going to these places not because they they're wanting to actively rebel against God. They're they're meeting in these places because they're looking for community and they're looking for to find love and a place where they're accepted and and welcome.
I think I would say to people if they were wanting to know how to be involved in a spiritual conversation to uh, maybe quit trying so hard and to let their own anxieties go and and quit making it about themselves because um, really it's not about us. I think that it's absolutely necessary in my life uh, for there to be spiritual activity if I'm going to be talking about spiritual things with people. And, and that's what I've, what I've found personally is um, when, when I'm allowing God to work in my life, uh, it's funny how there's things to talk about. You have been listening to John Stumbo, lead pastor at Salem Alliance Church. If you've enjoyed this message, we'd love for you to be our guest at our worship service on our main campus at 5th and Market Streets in Northeast Salem. Worship services are Saturday at 5 and 6.30 p.m. and again on Sunday at 8, 9.30 and 11 p.m. If you'd like to receive a free Bible and more information on how to become a Christ follower, feel free to call our office at 503-581-2129. We'd love to know how we can serve you. And once again, that's Salem Alliance Church at 5th and Market Streets in Northeast Salem.